Today's episode is brought to you in part by Logos. Logos combines digital books with intelligent software to help you study the Bible deeply. Do word studies with one click, search for virtually anything in your Bible, and enjoy dozens of features that help you see more in Scripture. Right now, you can find my book, Virtuous Persuasion, A Theology of Christian Mission, as well as get a listener discount on Logos by visiting logos.com slash mneebauer. That's logos.com slash mneebauer. What does it mean to covet, and how does this apply to the ways we view wealth and possessions? Why does the Bible state that the love of money is the root of all evil? How does this commandment speak to our hearts rather than our actions? Welcome to This We Believe, a podcast where we explain the essential texts of the Christian faith. My name is Dr. Michael Niebauer. Today we are examining the last commandment, which prohibits the coveting of a neighbor's possessions. We'll begin by first examining how this commandment is an extension of the Eighth Commandment, which prohibits theft. Then we'll examine the roots of the word covet, showing how this word speaks to our inner sinful desires and our inability to follow the Ten Commandments on our own. While the Eighth Commandment addressed stealing and the accumulation of possessions, the Tenth Commandment deals specifically with coveting possessions. In essence, it gets to the heart of the matter by talking about greed and avarice. The commandment speaks to our desires for wealth and possessions. It speaks ultimately to our desires to possess the material world. In the Bible, it states that the love of money is the root of all evil. Why money and not hatred or lust? Well, greed and avarice, which are the love of money, are sins that are more difficult to identify and treat than lust or gluttony, because there is no end to the accumulation of wealth and possessions. Lust ends in a sexual act. Gluttony ends when we can't eat anymore. There are limits to these sins because there are limits to what our body can take. But for greed, there is no end. We can always have more money in our bank accounts. We can always have bigger houses or newer cars. Furthermore, greed is one of the few vices that can actually motivate us to discipline ourselves. Those addicted to substances or food often find that these addictions keep them from thriving in other areas of life. But an addiction to wealth has the power to motivate people to work hard and even sacrifice. This is what makes greed a particularly difficult sin to combat. Our society praises the rich and the famous for their work ethic. Parents who work tirelessly to provide comfort, education, and opportunities for their children are usually praised, even if this work causes their family to spend less time with God. Our society views the vice of greed as the virtue of success. This is perhaps why the Bible states that money is the root of all evil. In essence, it speaks to our addiction to the material world. It keeps us fixated on what is material rather than what is immaterial. And it tricks us into thinking that this desire is good. 
The Tenth Commandment is the most damning of all the commandments because coveting speaks to our internal desires rather than our external actions. To covet is to desire anything else above God. Anytime that our hearts desire something else in the world above God, we sin against God. A one-second sexual fantasy, a moment of envy on social media, a brief desire to watch TV when we should be praying, all of these speak to our misplaced desires. They speak to our desire to seek out the world first and foremost rather than God. The prohibition against coveting tells us that sin is ultimately a matter of the heart. The first sin in human history took place in the Garden of Eden. It began not with an action, but a desire. Eve saw the forbidden fruit and coveted it. Her desire was for the physical fruit and the tree above obedience to God. And the sinful action of eating the fruit flowed out of these misplaced desires. Eve coveted the fruit and the actions followed suit. Jesus says something similar when he states that our actions flow out of the desires of our heart. Sin begins when we give in to the temptation to desire, to be attracted to that which we know we should not desire. And our sinful actions flow out of these misplaced desires. The Ten Commandments end with a prohibition against coveting to remind us that we are sinful and in need of God's help. We can easily try to turn the Ten Commandments into a checklist. We can say to ourselves that we haven't committed murder or an act of theft, so we can think we are doing well in God's eyes. When we get down to that last commandment, we discover that we are not well. No amount of good works can change the fact that we covet every day. Our hearts are wayward and broken. What the Tenth Commandment should spark in us is a desire to get on our knees and pray and ask for forgiveness for our sins. We confess not only our sinful actions, but our sinful desires. It is in this moment of confession that we realize two things. First, that we need help. We are powerless to change our hearts, and we need rescued. Second, we discover that God desires to rescue us. We find in our honest confession the mercy of God. Jesus has come to take upon himself all of our sins and sinful desires, to put them to death on the cross so that we might be restored to God. Because Jesus is fully human, he can take on all of our human sin. And because he is fully God, he can truly wipe away all of our sin. Furthermore, for those who believe in Jesus and receive this forgiveness, Jesus gives to us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the power of God working in us to strengthen us to love God by keeping his commandments. Jesus gives us new hearts in the power to slowly reorder all of our desires so that they conform ultimately to our God-given desire for him. It is here that the Ten Commandments can become for us not oppressive and restrictive rules, but instead the blueprints for love, revealing to us how to love God and others in our day-to-day -day lives. So as we close our examination of the Ten Commandments, it is important to understand their place in our daily lives as Christians. Christians should examine the Ten Commandments often, at least once a week. During this examination, one should go through a kind of four-step process. 
First, we should read the Ten Commandments with a sensitivity to our own sin. Here we let the Ten Commandments unearth the deep recesses of sin in our hearts. We let the commandments expose the myth that we tell ourselves, that we are good and decent people who are fine without God. Second, we confess these sins to God. Confession is a time of complete honesty, where we admit our sins and misplaced desires, and we humbly ask for God's mercy. Third, we receive the cross. In our time of confession, we picture Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. We are reminded that this death was and is for us. We feel the burdens of our sins lifted and express our thanks to God for this great act of grace. Fourth, we return and read the Ten Commandments again, but this time with hearts renewed by the Holy Spirit. In approaching the Ten Commandments in this way, we can see them as basic instructions for how to love God and others. We see in them instructions for how to love and honor God in our speech and our actions. We see in them a guide to loving our family, loving our friends, and for blessing others with our material possessions. Over time, through this weekly rhythm of confession and absolution, God will slowly change our hearts and our desires. We will become people who will desire less and less material comforts and more and more God's glory. This will prepare us for our lives in eternity, where all of our sinful desires will be cleansed, and we will fully delight in God's will all the days of our lives. Now that we have concluded the Ten Commandments, we'd like to hear from you. If you have a question about any of these episodes, please reach out to us. Your questions may be answered on a future episode. You can send us your questions through our Facebook page, at This We Believe Podcast, our Twitter, at We underscore Believe underscore Pod, or our email, This We Believe Podcast at gmail.com. Take care and God bless. Mm-hmm.